So sweet. Awesome. Well, it's good to see everybody here tonight. Welcome. We are in week two of this series called Neighboring, and uh, we're joining it together with our small group. So if you haven't gotten involved in a small group, you know what? You still can. We've gotten launched this week, but you can still jump on board. The door is always open. We want you to feel welcome to be a part of what God is doing here at Valley. But in this series, what we're doing is really asking God to, to grow our heart. So last week, we really just kind of opened the scope. We let Jesus teach us who is our neighbor. We let him school us a little bit on that. It was good. And when you let the Holy Spirit get in there, begins to plow up what we call the plow pan or that, that, that soil in our heart that's yet to be cut in, to be broken up to so that our, the roots of, God, of our faith, of what God wants to do, go deep, deep, deep. So tonight we're going to talk about a heart for the lost, to grow. How do we get a heart for the lost? You know, people talk about that, and even using the word lost, I, I use that. And let me help you identify what that, what I'm talking about is those who don't know Jesus Christ. And so neighboring, obviously, our hope is that, you know, as we're reaching for people, what is the biggest gift we want to give them? We want to give them the hope of Jesus Christ, don't we? In these days and times, folks, that, when we really look at it, that's real neighboring. Jesus talked about the practical. Tonight, we're going to talk about the spiritual. We're going to talk about what it is to really be a neighbor to our brother or sister, our, the folks that God brings, brings into our life. And so let's talk about that tonight. Building a message. Reaching our neighbor, building a message. Last week I introduced that concept of how we can have a message and how we have an audience. Well, we can have a message and we don't have an audience. Or we can have an audience and we don't have much of an, a message. We need both to be able to be effective, to be able to do what God has called us to do. But I'll tell you what, folks, even before you get to any of that, you've got to have a heart. So I want to tell you a little bit about my story. You know, I first came to Christ. I was, you know, I was, it was all about me. It was all about what my experience was. But what was amazing, it, and, and I've seen this to be true, as a matter of fact, they write whole books on this, that when you come to Jesus Christ, you're so excited about what has happened inside you, you want to tell others about it. In fact, there is actually a, a, a statistic that about the first two years of a new believer's life, they're going out and just absolutely tearing it up. They're leading people to Christ, and then it begins to kind of trail off. And you think about that, it's like, why? Why is that? Well, it, it, part of it is on purpose. In other words, and one half of it is not a bad thing, and I'll, I'll explain that to you. So when I came to Christ, that's exactly what happened to me. Man, I, I was in high school, it was my junior year in high school, I was so excited about what God had done in me, the joy, the freedom, I, the excitement about eternal life, and it was everything. So I just couldn't stand it. I had to tell my buddies on the football team, I had to tell the people sitting around me in class, I mean, I had to just, I had to tell them. And, of course, so many of them would just push me away, but others I was able to lead to Christ. I brought them to our small groups that I was a part of. And I'll tell you what, and then, then when I moved to Fayetteville, I was still in that zone. I would go, I worked at Chi-Chi's, the restaurant down there in Fayetteville. And every night as I went in there, every night that I had my shift, I was praying. I said, Lord, give me a divine opportunity to share the gospel. And during that time, I led several high school kids to the Lord. I actually eventually got four of the managers to come to church. It was just, man, I was on fire. And it, was, it wasn't all about the chips, man. It was all about, the, about Jesus, man. And it was awesome. But in time, what happened was I began to grow. I began to become more focused on my own sanctification. 
I began to realize that the more I it grew closer to the Lord, the more I needed help. I needed freedom. And I went into a season where there were some things that came to the surface. And, and, and I needed those to be dealt with. Things that I grew up with, things that were broken about me. And, and it just, it was, it, it took me into a, a season where I had to get up on the gurney. And I had to let the Lord to just really deep, do some deep things in, in me. And so as a result, I wasn't nearly as fruitful going out and sharing the gospel with others. And then in time, of course, I was in training to go into the ministry, and then all my time was focused on training and studying about theology. And one day, as, and of course, I was starting to prepare. One of my, my gifts was counseling, and so I began to get so caught up in the details of setting people free because of what I experienced. Really, my passion and my joy kind of shifted leading people to Christ, going from the nursery over here to the hospital. And, and really helping people get healed up. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. And so I spent a lot of time doing that. And so I saw that I wasn't spending as much time sharing my faith. I wasn't meeting nearly as many unbelievers or the lost people or people who didn't know Christ. It just, I was spending more time with Christians. And I remember one of the classes that I took with Pastor Michael, in fact, and he was teaching on evangelism. And, he was, and we, we took a book. It was just a small little book, and you might check it out. It's called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And in that book, I learned that it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, or what you're doing. We all are called to carry the message of Jesus Christ to the world. And so it's going to take a little bit of effort. And one of the things that had happened is I realized that my heart to the lost had actually grown a little cold. Because I wasn't thinking about them. I, wasn't, I was thinking more about one thing as opposed to another. And as I began to pray, I said, Lord, please give me that again. And it was neat. I began to watch it happen. I began to see God soften my heart and give me divine opportunities to share the gospel. And that's what it really took. And it, it started with prayer. It started with, you know, just saying, God, I want to open my heart to the kingdom of God. And I want to be, you know, focused on expanding your kingdom. And so we're going to look at a little of, of that here tonight. But that was my story. And as I began to grow and realize, you know, you can, oh, you can always keep that balanced, you know. And in fact, what happened was, in time I began to say, you know, God is not nearly as, as impressed or focused on my becoming more perfect than it is that I should be break, my heart be broken for lost people who don't even have what I have. See, I have experienced so much truth. I've experienced so much love. It, it, it's to the point where Jesus is saying, Dave, you're good to go. <laughs> you, got, you got everything you need in order to make this thing happen. What I need you to do is start spending more time telling and bringing people out of that darkness. And so we call that navel-gazing. A lot of times Christians can become so concerned about their own personal life, we forget about the lost. We forget about that every single day people are closing their eyes for the last time and going into eternity. And what are we thinking about that? Are, are we concerned about it? Are we, are we remembering Jesus' words? as to what we're really called to be and to do. So I want to jump into that here tonight and just answer the question, how do we get there? How do we get to that place where our hearts are more open to the lost? So I'm going to give you some stuff, I'm going to, and I hope that as you apply it, that you'll notice your own heart becoming opening, that, that God will open your eyes, and you'll have those divine appointments. So you'll notice that the third leg in our vision here at Valley 
is, is so critically important. But we, we love God. We equip people. But we go out and we reach the world, don't we? Why do we love God? So that God can fill our hearts up with his heart. And what is his heart? Of course, it's loving people and loving those who don't know him yet. And then what are we getting equipped to do? Well, of course, walking in the ways of Christ. But we're learning. We're being equipped to be able to share our faith. And then what? We go out. Whether we're feeding them lunches or whether we're going out there and, and just asking God for divine appointments with people that we work with, people that we live next to, or however God designs it. So how do we get there? Let's jump in. First of all, folks, I hate to say it, but we, did, we need to turn inward. You do have to look at the condition of your heart because that's where it begins, you see. You can't have a heart for the lost when you don't even know what's going on on the inside. So let's take a look at that real quickly. First of all, we need to understand that, that, that we are forgiven, and we need to understand what forgiveness is. When you understand the, the power of the grace of God, then it does something incredibly powerful on the inside. It really takes that monkey wrench out of the gears of our soul so that we use less energy, less self-energy, and then we're able to just really enjoy the favor of God. And then we're free to go out and share the gospel. So what did Jesus say about that? He's speaking about this woman, which we think conceivably is, is probably Mary Magdalene, that she comes in and she's, she's, she's weeping over him and she's, she's taking her tears and she's cleaning his feet. So she's weeping and the tears from her head, she takes the hair of, on her head and she takes that and she's wiping and cleaning his feet. And the disciples, of course, are freaking out by that. They're just like, wait, 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 get this woman away. Does he know who she is? It's probably a, a, a woman of ill repute. And so... They try to pull in. Jesus, no, 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 no. You know, don't, don't stop her. Because of what he's getting ready to say here. He says, therefore I tell you, because tell they're saying, don't you know she's a sinful woman? And he goes, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. But obviously the, 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 the opposite over the congruent part of that is absolutely true and that he who has been forgiven much loves much and so here's the thing when we get a get a hold of what it is that jesus has done for us and we're not stiff arm him, him with religious pride or we're not we're, we're we're not continuing to wrestle whether god really has forgiven i haven't forgiven myself that kind of thing or i but we really just receive his forgiveness and say yes what Jesus did on the cross for me was real, it was right, and it was powerful, and I know it full well, that if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive my sins, and I've received it. And when we're able to wash our consciences from acts which lead to death, as Hebrews tells us, then there is, settles in a grace and a gratitude and a tremendous amount of love for God. And, that, and that's really so incredibly important. When you understand the scope of what God has done in you, then you're able to see the world with that, as we were talking about last week, we're able to see the world through the eyes of that very same grace. We see people as forgivable. We, we, we yearn for them to experience the same thing. So you say, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good old sinner, Pastor David. Well, I'm not going to say good to that, but I'm going to say that, yeah, well, you're qualified. 
You're qualified to be forgiven, and when you receive that forgiveness, and I'm not saying that you go out and sin on purpose so that you can experience more of the grace of God. Paul dealt with that, didn't he, in Romans chapter 6. No, that's not, that's not what our motive is. But if we find ourselves having experienced darkness and struggle and battle, just like this, this woman, when she was able to know that Jesus looked at her and said, your, your sins are forgiven. It's okay. Then the emotion came up inside her, and she wanted, to, she wanted to love the Lord, and just she was so grateful. And Jesus says, man, don't stop that. So that is what helps to soften up the heart, folks. When you understand the depth, the breadth, the power of the forgiveness of Christ for you, then it releases inside you a passion, a compassion. First, the passion is for him, and then the compassion with passion is directed toward others. And that's how, that's the first step. We do have to go inside, but that's how we do it. John says this in his first epistle. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So when we, we, we understand that love, man, it's, it, we're full of it. We're full of his love, and we need and have to give it away. So if we kind of back into that and we realize, well, you know, if the love of most will grow, uh, grow cold in the last days, well, I think we can answer the reason why. Is it because people are connecting less with Christ? People are connecting less with that grace and understanding. See? See, and, and, and I can't, and no one in your life can force you to come and drink of that wonderful drink, to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. All we can do is lead you to it and say, you know what? And, you know, receive his forgiveness. Know that he's forgiven you. Can I go a little deeper? And that is sometimes you have to go into your past a little further. Sometimes we want to just glaze over with just religion, and we want to glaze over our past when we think of that. And, and again, this is not navel-gazing, but in my case, as I really began to grow in the Lord, I began to realize that, yes, there were deeper issues inside me that it, until I got into those, those, those compartments of my soul, could not the grace of God, I would not let it in. And the more, the deeper and richer that, 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 that grace was applied to my brokenness and my past and my darkness and my lies and all of it. The more I let him in, the more that grace became a pool of compassion. Absolute compassion. So there's a reason for that. There's, there's a power in it. So yes, a heart that is keenly aware of its own sin is apt to be sensitive to the suffering and spiritual condition of others, without question. See, one other thing I want to share with you is that this whole idea of perfection, you know, we talk about perfection a lot, and, 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 and it depends on your personality. When you hear the, the word perfection, you might just feel like somebody just stabbed you with, you know, with a knife. Or you may say, yeah, man, preach it, Pastor David, depending on where you come from. Perfection is obviously what God is. He's perfect. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is, is, is not giving us a, a plan that is going to fall short. He wants to make us like Christ. But, but, but you've, have, you've probably heard this before, but it isn't about perfection. It's about progress. It's always about progress. That every single day I'm taking one step closer. I'm taking one step to let him in more deeply 
to say, you know, to, to, to stop just ignoring him, but to say, Lord, you know me. You know, when I sit and when I rise, you know, I cannot go to the far side of the sea. There's no place on this planet a human being can hide. You are there, Psalm 139. And when we come to that realization, and then we see Jesus, the great lover of our soul, and we let him in. And we let him forgive our sins. We confess our sins to the safest, most loving, most powerful individual that you could ever confess your sins to. And he'll do it. He's faithful and just to do it. So this awareness that we're, we're talking about will attract God's grace. What does the Bible say? That God gives grace to the humble. Peter says that. God gives grace to the humble. He doesn't give grace to the perfect. He gives grace to the humble. And a humble person is a person who's very well aware of the fact that you're not perfect, that you are broken. That's the doorway. Pastor Dave, you don't know of all the stuff that I've done. All I can say to that is you're more qualified if you let him in. If you let him in. Secondly, we have to be followers of Christ, don't we? We have to understand the mission that we have been given. See, when a church forgets what the mission is, it loses its purpose for power. Why are so many churches powerless? Because they no longer walk in their purpose. And when we understand what it is that we are to be empowered for, then watch the, watch the heavens uh, open up to pour into all the resources all of, of the supernatural activity that we're asking for. And that, my, all I can say, folks, is those are words. I think we've experienced it as a church. I think we really have. God has blessed us through this season. God has been with us in a very powerful way, and I've seen it over and over again. It's not been the case for everybody, every body of believers. It's not been the case. But I've feel, felt his hand, I've felt his favor, I've sensed his hand on my back say, David, well done. Keep going forward. So it's my pleasure to, to be a part of that. But folks, the reason why he's going to bless us, and that could change when a church forgets what it is that we're called to be and to do. But as long as we are focused on loving him, equipping God's people to do the work of the ministry, and going and reaching the world, then he will give us everything we need to make it happen. Mark chapter 16. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. There it is. There it is, and it's in, in simple language. He said, go, okay? Don't just hang around, but go. Take what it is that I have done in, in you, what you have witnessed, what you have experienced. It makes absolute sense that Peter went from the coward, you know, that he was to the man who stood out in front of all of those of those Jews from all over the world and preached the gospel and went on to be the one that, it, it, at least in Jerusalem, he was the focus of the growing, burgeoning, world-changing church. See, that's what happens. Jesus spoke to Paul, uh, Peter three times, didn't he? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? 
He gave him the opportunity to speak his love. He gave him the opportunity to receive his forgiveness and to fill his heart back up, which had been depleted by his denials. But folks, we have got to understand that we've been given a mission. We turn inward to deal with what's going on. And when we do, very simply, God fills us up. Then it's time to turn outward. It's time to start looking outward. And we call this the path of the ecclesia, the church. And that's interesting. When you look at ecclesia, it means called out ones. Isn't that interesting? We're called the church. In, in the, the essence of the church was always meant to be a gathering of believers who knows that they're called out to change the world. We only gather together so that we can be more encouraged, more built up, more equipped to keep going out. Pure and simple. And we get that wrong sometimes. We think that the church is an enclave. We think that we build walls around it and put a big bell up. Sanctuary! Bing, bing, bing. And everybody runs to it and hides. It's not the church. In fact, the church is not a building at all. The church is people. We just got what we call the sheep shed. We got this, 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 this building. It used to be a country western bar. It's just a place now that's converted to be a place where believers can come and we can honor God. And that's what we do. But it's all about equipping. And when we walk out those doors, we know we got a purpose and we're out there to do it. So we're the ecclesia. So let's talk about that. To become the ecclesia, we've got to first become a witness. A witness. So what is a witness? Well, we know from Scripture it was literally what they saw, right? They saw Jesus. We have the four Gospels. Each of those are four witnesses of what they experienced. And then individual witnesses. So just because we can't see the Lord face to face or that he has some kind of experience, he comes into our home and whatever. No, no, no. It's, to be a witness just means taking your story and telling others about it. That's all it is. And so what is your story? Well, if you've gone inward and you've received this forgiveness and you've experienced and you've then taken the mission and said, yes, I, I am going to go into all the world, then you've you got to tell them something, right? You've got to develop that message. Well, if you've received what it is, then, my friend, you're well on your way to having a message. It doesn't have to be some incredible you know, yeah, you know, I was, I, w- I was a gang leader and, you know, I blew up things and, you know, I traveled all the, you know, you don't have to have that. You, you don't have to have this wicked testimony in order to be able to go out and witness. It can be, it can be as simple as, you know what? I know Jesus. He forgave my sins. He loves me. I talk to him. And because of that, I have peace and I have real joy. And you know what? I want to share him with you. I read this, this Bible every single day, and in it contains amazing promises. It doesn't have to be, you know, ornate. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, complex. It just has to be your story. And you know what? I'm willing to bet that every, everybody in this room has a story. As a matter of fact, as I'm looking around, I see some fantastic stories. I hope you're telling people about it. 
That's okay. If, if you haven't yet, well, you know, we all have to learn. We can all go through times where we feel like, well, you know, Pastor David, I've, uh, I've not really been able to get out because I've had to focus more on getting fixed up for me to go out and tell. I get that. There are seasons when you have to do that. But we need to get right back out there sharing what it is. In fact, when we come out of that, that time, our story is even stronger. Our story is even bigger. Our story is even more amazing. It's a witness. That, that's what being a witness is, folks. And it gets better. Because in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, look, I want you to be my witness. In fact, he says, I'm leaving, and I'm giving you everything, and you're going to go and tell everybody about me. And he goes, every time you do, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to empower you. So that when you speak those words, I'm going to go before and I'm going to prepare hearts. And I'm going to open those hearts with the words that you speak. In fact, I am going to then uh, uh, upbraid. I'm going to um, strengthen your words with signs and wonders. That's amazing, isn't it? Well, we've got the whole book of Acts that showed that is exactly what happened. When the church began to be the witness, when they embraced what it is that Jesus told them, then he was right there. He was right there. And you know, that still happens throughout all the world. And in fact, it, it's, so, it's, it's, it's kind of a humorous thing that a lot of times when people say, well, you know, I'm not sure about those signs and wonders, Pastor David. You know, isn't it a sign or one wonder for just a person to, you know, just get saved? Well, yeah. Absolutely. But Jesus said even greater things we would, we would do while he went unto the Father. And I find it sometimes interesting that Christians will say, man, I can see, I, I, I believe that when missionaries go out into all the nations, that God does amazing things for them. They, they've got miracles. They, you know, they get saved you know, from, uh, from being martyred. They, they see amazing things take place that provide for, you know, clean water for a village that, that didn't have it. Just miracles that happen, miracles. And yet when we come back home, we're just like, well, you know, those miracles aren't for today here in the United States, just out there. Well, folks, all I can say to that is, is absolute silliness. Just absolute silliness. Because bef before you know it, you're, you really are becoming a missionary in your own nation. You know that, right? That as a Christian, you're becoming more and more of an alien, an outsider, a person that you're only tolerated. And if that's the case, then more and more are we going to ever need these signs and wonders and these miracles. And God says, I will give them to you as you ask for them. Look what it says. He says, I will send the Holy Spirit, and he will, he, and he will empower you to be my witnesses. Isn't that interesting? The power has a purpose. The message has a purpose. And what is that? To tell others, to reach our neighbor to reach our neighbor with the greatest message that this planet has ever, ever heard. So really, folks, this is about telling your story. That's, that's really all it is. And we need to do that. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What has he redeemed in your life? What has he taken back and converted what has he done? It could, it could be your marriage. It could be what has happened with your children. It could be what, what has happened in your health. It could be what has happened in your business or your finances or, or whatever it might be. Whatever your story is, tell that story and you will be amazed. You will be amazed. 
So we're called to be in this world, but not of it. And that's a challenge for a lot of believers. And I think that is something that does distract us, and I'm not going to, you know, pound on that. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in this world and we get caused up in the illusion that is this world that we forget what we're called to be and to do. That, in fact, with what has all happened in the last year, has given us the greatest opportunity in probably your lifetime to share the gospel, to share your story, whether it be online, whether it be through a text, or whether it be doing just whatever that God does to, to potentially help those who are filled with fear, to help those who, who are looking to the world for safety and protection. Man. See, we're called to embrace a culture that we often do not understand. And there are a lot of young ones here today, you're, you're, you're on top of it. I mean, you're, you're experiencing this culture, even though I truly believe it's, it's spinning out of control it's going so fast, and I'm not even sure even young people can keep up with it. So what does that tell you about the older folks? It, the world is changing under your feet so fast, folks. You, don't, you, you just have no clue what's going on. And there's only one who can help you keep up with that, and that's the Lord himself. Because there is a message that is timeless. <laughs> there is a message that presses through every culture, every, every kind, every age, and that is simply love. That's the one. It doesn't matter how you say it. It doesn't matter how hip you are or not hip. It doesn't matter, you know, I mean, my girls are sharing me. I, I share a word. Well, like I just did, like, it's like David, or uh, dad, that means nothing. You know, this is how we say that word now. It's like, man, shoot, two months ago it was something else. You know, that's how fast it moves. But love Love is a universal language, isn't it? It is what will cut through everything and really help to set people free. Embracing a culture you do not understand really only requires love in all of its practical applications. Love also means you strive to understand. No different than becoming a missionary in your own neighborhood. See, we, we, we look at missionaries and say, how do you do it? How do you go over there and, and, and have to be, live among these tribal peoples and, and, you, and, and you, they come back and they tell all their stories and we clap our hands. Folks, you understand you're a missionary in your own backyard. Why is that any different that we not reach for this generation that is, that is so digitized, so interneted, you know, all of it? That we don't, that we just say, that we try to just kick him to the curb and just say, well, they, they deserve what they're going to get. No. We need to keep reaching. We need to do our best to understand them. I'm so grateful for the team that I have here because just left to me, I'd be absolutely clueless as to what's going on and how we can reach this world and we're using technology. But man, we're working hard. We've created, I was just talking to Bruce and Bruce and the team, creating an online uh, what are we calling it? Campus. It's an online campus. In other words, a whole online church. We have hundreds of people that come and are a part of us and see that they're a part of us. But they, and, and some of them live states away. And that's, you know, we don't want to kick that to the curb. We don't want to say that that's wrong or that's evil or, you know, we shouldn't be doing that. No, man, we embrace it. And we're going to get better at it because that's where we are. 
We have to learn how to be salt and light, folks. In Scripture it says, and this is Jesus, you are the salt of the earth, he said. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You don't have to be an evangelist to evangelize. You don't. You just have to live Christ. You just have to enjoy him. And when you let that joy fill your heart, folks, believe me, you're going to stand out in a dark and broken world. You know, as a lot of times I'll say, I, I know people stare at me when I, when I say this. I mean, because I've, I've said it to young adults. I've said it to every kind of group that I've ever gotten with. And I just look at them and I say, look, do you, know, you want to know how you can change this world? Just succeed. Just walk in victory. Just walk in freedom. <laughs> people see the joy on your face. See, people see and they look at you and say, how are you doing this? Where, where are you getting this from? I'm glad you've asked because I'm now getting ready to share with you where my hope comes from, where my joy comes from, where my success comes from, where God's, it is God's blessing. And you, don't, and, and you say, it's not me. It's the one that I worship. It's the one that I love. The one who told me that I'll bless you in the city. I'll bless you in the country. I'll tell him about the one who's pouring out these blessings upon me. Just enjoy the blessings. Let your light shine. First, you've got to understand the light, right? First, you've got to let the light in. And boy, will it ever shine if you let it. 1 Peter 1.22, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. See what, what, what Peter was saying there? Peter was saying, look, when you let him in and he fixes you, restores you, sets you free, the, uh, what's going to happen now is it's ready to be poured out and shared. So I'll finish with this tonight. And that is we're called to be reconcilers. Okay, yes, we've been given a mission, and it's to go into all the world, but, 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 but Paul gives us an even more powerful term. He says we're called to be reconcilers, to reconcile the world back to their daddy. We've talked about this before, but let's read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, this is what really being a neighbor is, is looking beyond just toleration looking beyond the fact that they're just a physical presence in our life. No, no, no. He says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, he, he has done a work inside us, and he's saying, now this is all I ask you to do, is go tell others about what I've done inside you. And the more he does, the more you share it. Let him know. Let them know. I'll keep going here. That God was reconciled, and, and what, is, what is our message of reconciliation? He tells us what it is. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He hits it again. He says, God no longer stands in judgment of the world. Well, yes, for those who... You know, 
do not accept this wonderful free gift. <coughs> this wonderful free gift that he's offered. Our folks, our mission to really neighbor, whether it be through our small groups, whether, whatever the situation is. Matter of fact, I encourage all small, small groups, and, and I'm going out there, guys. I want to encourage all small, small groups to, to sit together at some point in your meeting and say, look, who, who are some of the people in your life that don't know Christ? Let's make, and I've actually you know, taught this and did this for years, and I just want to throw this out as a challenge, that you find out in your group how many lost people do you have connections with? And, and just throw all that, you can just do it first names. And just say, okay, we've got Bob, we've got Carol, we've got Jim. And just, and, and just for the whole time that your meeting, your, 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 your meeting is, you pray for those individuals. Either at the beginning or the end, at some point in your meeting, you say, look, let's, let's pray for those people in our lives who we're trying to reach. And watch what God does. Watch. See, the more you make the kingdom of God and its expansion a priority, Signs and wonders, baby. God will do it. But we've got to be asking him, don't we? We've got to be deployed. We've got all this wonderful message. We've got all these wonderful stories. We need to ask God to give us an audience. And he'll bring them. I promise you that. He's given us the message of ring. Why would he give us that message if we weren't going to have an audience? Well, we've got to do two things. One, we've got to put ourselves out there, okay? No more of this retreating and hiding and, and, and being in enclaves. Don't see the church as an enclave. See, it, all it is is an equipping station, a place to worship, so that we can go out there and continue the mission. And then ask God to expand our audience. I'll finish with this, folks. After being a pastor for a number of years, I did notice, you know, I'm hanging out with Christians. And, and this came out of my mouth, and, and once it's come out a dozen times. I, there were times when I just said, you know, Lord, I'm tired of hanging out with Christians. Christians are wearing me out. I would rather hang out with just the dirtiest, nastiest, broken down se- uh, sinner and know that they're weeping and need a message. Man, that, that's where it really happens. And then I repented and realized, no, no, David, this is, you got to do both. And what was interesting is I, I started to pray, and I said, God, I need an expansion. I, I, you need to open up a channel here to lost people. How can we do this? And the Lord just said, well, David, when a person who doesn't know Christ gets saved in the church, well, just go through that door. Tell them to bring those lost people to you. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So when I was a youth pastor and, 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 and all the different phases of my life, I've, I've, I've done that. And, and I'll never forget, my first experience was a, was a guy I had in my youth group. And he was a drug dealer in Fayetteville, one of the biggest ones. And he had an amazing experience. He came, he got saved. Somebody, I didn't lead him to Christ. Somebody else did. And they brought him to me, and I was like, here it is. I said, for the next two years, this guy's going to open up literally hell into a group of people that I would never be able to reach, never have any involvement in their lives as things are now. And so I asked him, I said, look, I said, every one of those, those demonic rascals you're connected with, bring them here. Bring them. And more, it was amazing, man. It was amazing. The people that, we, that I was able to get in line, share the gospel with. Because, you know, he's a new believer, man. He just got set free, and he didn't really know. He says, well, let me take you to my pastor. And I look at him, share the gospel, 
cast demons out of them, lay my hands on them, help them experience, start reading the Bible, invite them to groups. It was amazing. It was amazing. Folks, I'm telling you, this is a season. If we're going to be real neighbors, all right, you really want to be a neighbor? Yes, it does. Yeah, we've got to start with the practical things. We, we do need to reach people. We do need to rescue them off the side of the road. But, man, you really want to rescue somebody? And you tell them about Jesus. You know, we talk about give a man a fish, right? And you feed him for a day. And you teach him how to fish. You teach him how to feed themselves for a lifetime. We all believe that. We all know it's true. But let's use the spiritual application of that. You know, we can give a person a sandwich. We can give a person a meal. And that's good. But I guarantee you, that this soup kitchen is about more than just giving people a sandwich. It's more than doing the practical things that we do in this community, and we will continue to do. No, man, we're only looking for opportunities to be salt and light. And when God opens that door for us to be able to share the gospel with somebody, we're ready. So that's what I want to say to you. Get ready. Get ready. Go inside. Don't fight that battle anymore. You've been forgiven. Get washed clean, enjoy it. Then share it. Get ready to share it. And ask God to bring people into your life so you can tell them their story. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us tonight. Why don't you stand up? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that in this room, Lord, is, is represented so, in, so many incredible stories. Lord, some of them are like good old novels. Maybe the bits and pieces have been read of late, but it's time for us to get them back out again. Start reading them out loud. Remembering what the Lord has done. We, for the redeemed to say so. To shout from the rooftops what it is that God has done. Lord, I'm praying, God, may this be a season. Lord, for your church to be salt and light. And Lord, I pray that you'd anoint us tonight. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, God. That when we step out, you'll be right there. Right there in Jesus' name. Lord, to secure your word, to verify, to be a powerful witness of, Lord, what it is you've done in our life. Over this next week, God, I pray two things. One, that will refine our message. What is it that you've done? And two, that you'd open up more channels for us to be able to share that message for every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we have worshiped you tonight. God, we've, we've given our tithes and offerings and surrender, making, God, taking our first fruits before you, Lord. And we've listened to the word tonight. Would you seal the grace of God, the work done in every one of us, that would have lasting impact. Your word would not return void. New passion, new hunger, new opportunities in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. If you like prayer tonight, please come on down to the front. Pastor Jamie would love to stand with you. We love you, and we'll see you again real soon.